Hello everyone and welcome to another CBC online service. My name is Roger and it's my privilege to be bringing God's Word to you today. In a short while I will be introducing the new series that we're going to be following over the next few weeks. But before I do that I wanted to take the opportunity to thank everyone who has expressed their kindness towards us as a family through messages and prayers and thoughts, cards, gifts, meals and uh, in many other ways as well. It has been an extremely difficult time for us and continues to be uh, in many ways. I have on more than one occasion quoted Corrie ten Boom who uses the illustration of a train that enters a long dark tunnel and she says that at the point of entering the tunnel that is not the time to get off that is the time to sit still and to trust the engine driver. I will be honest with you and say that my feelings towards the engine driver haven't been universally positive over the last few weeks but we continue to trust him for what follows even though we don't understand all of his ways. Life must be lived forwards. We don't dismiss the past and its pain uh, nor do we neglect to give thanks for the past and its blessings. We uh, embrace each day as a gift. We learn to live in the moment and to enjoy the present. But ultimately, our faith is pointing forwards. Our faith is characterised by hope and hope is by definition future facing. And the series I'm introducing today is all about our future-facing orientation. Over the coming weeks, we're going to think about how God provides for us, no matter how daunting the future appears. We're going to think about the help that God gives us in the form of courage and companions along the way. We're going to think about the resilience that we need. And we're going to think about how we move on from past failures. And today we're going to think about purpose. Why is it that we need to face forwards and what is it that we are facing forwards towards? And to help us with that, and by way of introducing the series overall and the focus for this particular talk, I'm going to share now some words from Philippians chapter 3 and verses 7 to 14. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God 
on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on. What is it that Paul is getting at here? Are we supposed to ignore the past or block certain memories? Well, I don't think so. It's much more nuanced than that. Paul is saying that there are certain aspects of his past that he refuses to dwell on. He is not going to uh, boast about his past achievements. He is not going to dwell on the things that he had good cause to boast about. Those things are to be forgotten. Some people love to boast about things that they have done, achievements they've made, people they've met, people they know, where they've been and so on. In modern times there is a more subtle version of this known as the humble brag. Stephen Fry posted this Twitter entry some time ago by way of a tongue-in-cheek illustration of the humble brag. Oh dear, don't know what to do at the airport. Huge crowd, but I'll miss my plane if I stop and do photos. Oh dear, don't want to disappoint. But bragging, or humble bragging, is what Paul refuses to do. He refuses to dwell on the past. Instead, he chooses to focus on the future. We see a similar attitude sometimes in sports players. About a month ago, West Ham United went fifth in the Premier League. Now that phrase, West Ham United went fifth in the Premier League, is not a phrase you hear very often. But you do quite often hear footballers say something along the lines of what Aaron Cresswell, the West Ham United player, said after the game. We didn't lose our heads. We've got to keep looking forward but not get too far ahead of ourselves. We're 12 games in and it's still too early. In other words, now is not the time to sit back and relax. We don't dwell on our past achievements. The race isn't won yet. We don't sit back and relax. We don't look back. We don't stand still. We look forwards. But what are we looking forwards to? What is it that Paul was pressing on towards? What is the goal to which God had called 
Paul heavenwards? What is our purpose? Often when we think about our lives and our purpose, we construct stories in which we are at the centre. Start to Google the phrase, the purpose of life is, and Google will suggest the purpose of life is to be happy, or the purpose of life is to live it, or the purpose of life is to find your gift, the purpose of life is to enjoy every moment. Even religious experts place us at the centre. When asked what surprises him most, the Dalai Lama replied, Man surprises me most. He sacrifices his health in order to make money. Then he sacrifices money to recuperate his health. And then he's so anxious about the future that he doesn't enjoy the present. The result being that he does not live in the present or the future. He lives as if he is never going to die, and then he dies having never really lived. So what would you advise? The interviewer asked. He replied, simple. Have fun. Why else are you here? The author A.A. A. Milne started his famous story, Winnie the Pooh, with a conversation between himself, the author, and Christopher Robin. What about a story, said Christopher Robin. Could you very sweetly tell Winnie the Pooh one? I suppose I could, I said. What sort of stories does he like? About himself, because he's that sort of bear. I'll try, I said. So I tried. Once upon a time... Winnie the Pooh liked stories about himself because he was that kind of bear. And we like stories about ourselves because we are that kind of people. But ultimately, our life isn't about ourselves. Life is not about finding happiness or uh, finding our gifts or expressing ourselves or whatever other story we might come up with. Those things might happen along the way but they are not our ultimate purpose. What, according to Paul, is our ultimate purpose? In this rather condensed section of Philippians chapter 3, there are certain phrases which paint the outline of the story in which we find ourselves in and the purpose to which we have been called. According to Paul, our purpose is... To know Christ, including his power and sufferings. To gain Christ. To be found in Christ. To be righteous and to attain to the resurrection from the dead. These verses are all about relationship. Paul wants to know Christ, verse 8. Not just theoretically, but practically, personally and intimately. Part of that relationship, he says, is to experience, verse 10, the power of his resurrection and participating in his sufferings. So in some sense, to know Christ, to be in a relationship with Christ, is to experience something of the power of Christ and also to suffer in some sense as Christ suffers. 
To be in a relationship with Christ is to be found in him. Verse 9. It reminds me of the verses in John 15 where Jesus says, I am the true vine, remain in me and I will remain in you. And the consequences of this relationship are righteousness before God. Verse 9, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And ultimately, resurrection from the dead. Verse 11, to gain Christ. Verse 8, that is our purpose. To enjoy a relationship with Christ Restoring what was lost when sin first entered the world is why we are here. This is our purpose. All other reasons for living we may construct for ourselves are a chasing after the wind compared with the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Verse 8. And however far we may have travelled along the journey of knowing Christ, and however deep we may feel our relationship with Christ is, there is always room for more. There is always room for growth. Of all people who should have known Jesus, it would surely be the Apostle Paul. But it was Paul who said, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. The Greek phrase translated press on is an intense one. It means to pursue or even to persecute. It's a dogged determination to keep on going, to keep persevering until the goal has been achieved. In another letter, a letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes... Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. We are called to a determined, purposeful pursuit of relationship with Christ not to an aimless life. Some people do live aimlessly. They have no drive or determination. Maybe they did at some point. Maybe at one point in their lives they subscribe to the view that, you know, if I put the effort in, I can make something of my life. But then something happens or they don't achieve what they set out to achieve and they start to question, why am I getting up in the morning? Why am I putting myself through all of this? What is the point of living and so they start to drift aimlessly. Other people seem to have the drive and determination, they know what they want, they go after what they want, whether it's happiness or success or fame or popularity, but there comes a point for them when they realise that they are chasing after shadows. The novelist Jack Higgins sold over 250 million copies of his novels, said, I wish I had known that when you make it to the top, there is nothing there. In one of the Greek myths, 
Erisicton was a Thessalonian king who chopped down the sacred grove of the goddess Demeter in order to build himself a feast hall. As punishment for the crime, the goddess inflicted him with insatiable hunger, driving him to exhaust his riches and finally, in abject poverty, to devour his own flesh. We talk about people becoming consumed with money or fame. They never get enough of it. It is a purpose that ultimately leaves them exhausted and frustrated. But our pressing on, our persevering pursuit of knowing Christ is not something that leaves us exhausted or frustrated. On the contrary, it leads to life. And that's why it's worth straining, as Paul puts it in verse 13, or pressing on, as verse verses 12 and 14 put it. We don't need to press on or strain for something that just falls into our laps, that comes, in, that comes to us easily, and we don't want to press on or strain for something that is not worth the effort. But we press on towards the goal of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. So what does it look like for us to press on? I think it means to press on seeking God through his word. Even when there are bits that are hard to understand or bits that we find hard to accept. I think it means to press on seeking God through prayer, even when we don't know how to pray, even when we feel our prayers aren't being answered, even when it hurts. I think it means to press on seeking God in worship, even when we don't feel like worshipping, even when the words in our mouths that we're singing just feel like dust. I think it means to press on seeking God through our brothers and sisters in the church. Even when people disappoint us, even when people don't live up to our expectations. I think it means to press on seeking God in the workplace or in our front line. Even when the work that we're doing seems meaningless and purposeless, even when our friends don't appear to be responding in any way to our faith. I believe it means to press on seeking God in all the contexts of life that we find ourselves. In nature, when the trees are bare and the rain is lashing down and the wind is blowing, to press on seeking God in whatever context we find ourselves, to keep pressing on, to keep persevering, to keep seeking God because we know that ultimately the purpose that we're seeking God for, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ is the greatest thing that we can possibly seek in earth and in heaven. I pray for you as I pray that you will pray for me, that you will press on and get to know Christ even more. Amen.